and welcome back to Vox Popcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-hosts, Katya and Hannah. Hey guys, how's you it feel? Me. I was going to ask you something different. I was going to ask how it felt to live in a post-DMX world because that's the sad thing for me. See, it's a, it's a negative thing that I am sad about because the Rough Riders are no more. No one knows I, what I'm talking about. I, I, <laughs> do, I do know what you're talking about. about. I think sad. I am an uncultured person mm-hmm. uh, and don't actually, I don't know, I don't really respond to celebrity death. I, <laughs> I, don't, I now feel bad about what I want to talk about because there's no way to transition so <laughs> we can transition it's just you just, just want to stop drop shut them down open up shop that's all i wanted to say and then oh. now we can talk about something happy oh, oh thank uh, you well, i don't know if this is <laughs> there you go. i don't know if it's happy uh but i wanted to say i think that this is the year where gi joe snake eyes actually is going to happen really um, is that like yeah. is, is it, has, that that hasn't been moved from the from the schedule no I think you're doing I a box did, office like, update because I think you're still in the lead. I haven't actually checked, I, but uh, I think by the Katya time this do. comes out, Katya will probably be in the lead. We're recording on like a weekend, so mm-hmm. unsure. But yeah. yeah, I don't. I still don't pay attention to these because, as I've learned, I just my box office success runs entirely on negative necromantic energy and <laughs> apparently global <laughs> catastrophe. So, and since that's kind of still holding in 2021. <sighs> you, you, sound, you sound way too happy about that. No, so like Mission hey, Impossible. At this point, I have just accepted my, that I am just going to become a like. Nope, I just I just accepted that I am in, somehow an unintentional evil wizard. Uh, <laughs> and and I don't know. I I take it where I can get it, man. Yeah. <laughs> so so like Mission Impossible Seven gone from the calendar, but GI Joe. Mission G. Impossible G. Seven was the yeah. one to who? Do you know? I who had that you. in the game? You. Uh, that's what I thought. Okay. That seems like a bad movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, Snake, Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins is move, is not only staying on the 2021 calendar, but is moving up from October 22nd to July 23rd. So Ooh. I think it's actually happening, you guys. I It took 2021 to make it happen because like this has been on, I feel like, every box office game for since like we've done a show. Um, I think, the I think so just, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, well, uh, um, so that's, that's, that's happening. A, I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> I, uh, I really don't. I really, I don't I actually really don't. <laughs> I, just, I didn't know what to do with it, which is why I wanted to talk about it because I thought someone else might be able to nope. find meaning in, in nope, this chaos. There's no world. meaning. This is, there's, there's, nope, there is no meaning. <laughs> There is no meaning to. There's no meaning there. Uh, well, that, you're, you're sounding a lot like the comedian. I feel like. Nope, that was nope. <laughs> anyway, yeah. this brings this this this. I feel like illustrates exactly why we brought our guests on today. Actually, because uh, <laughs> to talk about to talk about really really bad movies <laughs> and how I'm going to win the box office game. No, this is our example of you know how you extract funny things from the ineffable and strange, much like GI Joe movies. Uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> well, I've heard look, some, I've heard some laughs that um, that I don't recognize. So I, I assume you brought some people. I I did I did virtually drag along some humans. Uh, so uh, today we're talking basically about comedy, stand up comedy, which is actually something I'm kind of surprised that two two years in we haven't actually I think addressed other than in passing. <laughs> Um, it's three years. This you know, I always did years. say, oh God, it's my three backup, years. My backup job would be a stand-up comedian over well, being a grad student, but I've done nothing with that, so. Well, uh, actually, we'll probably talk a little bit about how there's overlaps between 
those things. Um, but yeah, I'd like to welcome to the show uh, Jennifer Mason. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm so glad to be here. Uh, I'm Jennifer Mason. Uh, I go by Gen X and I'm a mom to two boys, an acupuncturist and a stand-up comedian in San Diego, California. Oh, that's cool. That's where my mom lives. Ooh. I'll Ooh. send her. I, I, I would send her to one of your shows, but she is very much not leaving the house um, for the last year. So, you know, and Nico. Hi. Yeah. My name is Nico Lukoff. Thank you so much for having me on here. Um, I am a husband and father of three uh, salesperson uh, for a business, business, business sales company. And uh, I do comedy since uh, last well, a year and a half or so Just started doing some open mics. Um, I will call myself a comedian. Now. I wouldn't say I'm a, you know, working professional, but uh, been having a lot of fun and, and doing a lot of online stuff and uh, happy to be here. Very cool. Welcome. Thanks for us. joining us. Uh, yeah. So the reason this episode kind of came about is Jennifer and I met on something called Lunch Club, which is basically the safe for work version of uh, Chat Roulette. Uh, <laughs> and we were talking about kind of... Wow, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That, that, was, that was just uh, that was that that. I mean, I know what you meant, but that brought up so many questions. <laughs> I mean, that is what it is. Yeah. It is what it is. It is what it is. And I'm just going to let everyone sit with those questions and be slightly baffled until they Google it. Uh, yeah. So we were talking a lot about like how I mean, basically this like the the impact of comedy in different ways, but also like how kind of virtual comedy has happened. Um, so yeah, I was just kind of wondering, maybe we could start with, with that. It's like, I mean, comedy is obviously in a lot different over the last year and change and kind of like what, what is virtual comedy and what does that look like? Right. Um, so when, when the pandemic happened, all of us people who were used to doing shows and mics and then, then it all came crashing down and we all kind of cried silently on Facebook and, and then it occurred to us, oh, we could do zoom shows. This this workplace thing could actually work um, for for comedy, but it was different uh, because you don't you can't hear the audience. Uh, you sometimes mm-hmm. can't see the audience. And how does that even work? But um, then it turns out that it does work. It's not quite the same. There's some obviously some downsides. It's not quite the same. But then there's some upsides, too, uh, because people didn't have to leave their living rooms. A lot new people were able to get onto the show to watch it or to be on it. Uh, and you could travel virtually all around the country or the world and do comedy. Love it. <laughs> that's exactly it. That, that's, uh, that's, that's what's been going on. Um, and, and basically uh, about a year ago, I started a Facebook group called displaced comedians because I had just started doing open mics about six or seven months before everything shut down. I just want to still, you know, work on material and tell jokes. And I always kind of hoped there was a way to do that remotely. Cause I would do mics when I would travel for work and then I'd come home, I'd be with my family. I don't like want to go out all night. And then I was like, I wish there was a way to communicate with other people and still, you know, get some of that engagement. I looked into Twitch a little bit, but I didn't really dive much into figuring out that platform. And then this due date of bat or whatever. And uh, now it's just what we have. And then I, I started this group because I wanted to be able to connect with different comics and have kind of a centralized place to focus on where to do these Zoom mics, who's doing them, because they're in different regions. And then it just became this this group and ended up uh, meeting Jennifer through that and doing her show and interviews. And it's uh, been a crazy, interesting time. Yeah, Nico's uh, Facebook group, the Displaced Comedians, I, I call it the Mose Isley bar. Because of- <laughs> <laughs> it's just everybody. There's thousands of comedians from all over, all kinds of opinions. And, so this um, isn't like a, when you say group, you're, you're not talking about, this isn't a group where you go to see shows. This is like a networking group for comedians. 
Yeah, this is a group on Facebook that I just started because I wanted somewhere to people for people to be able to connect and also focus on, you know, I've been maintaining this list that started by about three or four mics a week. Now I've got a couple hundred that I've got cataloged that people are wow. doing all around the world, mostly on Zoom, some on Instagram, um, you know, some on some different platforms. I've been doing some VR shows too. So actually like headset virtual reality. Yeah, yeah. And it's just people connecting online and talking about, hey, I'm doing this show, I'm booking for this. Who wants to just hang out and run sets? Who just wants to hang out and talk? Because we're also just a bunch of people still trying to connect with one another. A lot of people who couldn't get the shows for different reasons, for physical and, and mental things that, you know, uh, contributed preventing them from doing that, are able to access this now. And um, everyone is kind of coming together to be funny and, and work on it. Very cool. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, I mean, both of you kind of mentioned some of the upsides of doing comedy. I mean, do you think like the like, virtual comedy circuit, for lack of a better term, uh, is going to be a thing like beyond covid like once we're all like been jabbed with the vaccine and all that's a hard question um you know here in california i i think june 15th is the day that everything is set to open and i was telling my fiance i think that's the day that zoom comedy died you know but um but on the other hand i think that if you have a comedy festival, why wouldn't you have a Zoom option where you can expand it to a much greater audience, have a have a concurrent thing? I think that there's going to be um, a virtual element um, for sure. It's going to keep going. But I'm also going to say that I've been able to do two live shows. And oh, my gosh, that is it's just it's a difficult, um, I want to hear all about it slowly. I want to know everything that happened. I want to know did you do jokes you made up in Zoom. I want to know everything. I walked up to the mic and I put it in my hands and I looked at people in their eyes. <laughs> Today on Vox Pop After Dark. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, fun about Zoom is you see people really close too. We're at a comedy show. You might not see people as close and like you pick up, I think on some of their reactions, they might be hiding or not be doing as much or sitting in the back, you know, talking to each other. Like, cause people have to, everyone's in front row on Zoom. So they're just yeah. kind of right there. That reminds me, it's it's sort of like a, like a music show, right? I've I've been to comedy shows and music shows where even with the best, like I've I've sat in the front row, I've been in small clubs, and I've also been in you know amphitheaters and and you know and you know even a, even one at a um at a football stadium. So whenever you're at a live show, in a lot of ways, live shows aren't as good as watching it on TV, right? Like I like I enjoy the energy of the crowd. But yep. the comedian is just if you're if you're in the 20th row, you know, of some theater, the comedian's just this little dot over there that you're listening to. Right. Like, you know, yeah. Yeah. So. So. So there is. a, I mean, I guess there is a benefit to, you know, just like if I'm watching this is my favorite, one of my favorite comedians, I'm watching George Carlin or Chris Rock, people that I enjoy that I enjoy watching. You know, I'm seeing close ups whenever I watch them on HBO. So it's like that, I guess. Yeah. In that in that rage, and and what and what uh, touch on what Jennifer was talking about too. I I think it's still gonna. This is this comes up like all the time. I was a question like, what's gonna happen? Everything's opening up. I don't have the perspective of somebody in a professional standpoint as far as people just community wanting to run jokes. That's gonna happen forever on Zoom because we know how to do it now. So why wouldn't someone put up a Zoom, especially someone who's in an area that can't get out somewhere? I, I've done Zoom, you know, done Zoom shows where someone's sitting outside in their car, about to go in to a real live club doing a set on their phone because why not you know it's fun they made a couple of bucks they probably might not have made anything but it's you know you can do it and i could see hybrid shows and i know those go on where it'd be really cool to go to a comedy club see some live performances and then have hey coming now from dallas texas or baltimore like all these different places <laughs> of the world that you might not be in this special guest and and keeping that energy moving and making it a part of something because like jennifer mentioned we're performing from you know all over the place all over 
she's put on some awesome shows. Probably one of the best, most fun Zoom shows I'm best put on. I, I've been a part of before. And you got people from all over that would not have been performing to together. And now we get to. I've also been doing some uh, Zoom improv. We call it Zoom prov and uh, <laughs> Zoom clown. And my um, one of my Zoom prov, my Zoom prov coach, she said her mom prefers the Zoom shows because she can actually see her face. Mm. Oh. Facial expressions are a much bigger thing in virtual comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly with uh, I've been doing virtual clown classes and it's a lot about props and how to use the camera. Uh, what I'm finding is that the the things that I learn in in virtual clown class are helping me with ordinary Zoom presentations. So if I'm talking, I'm just you're able to kind of be more dynamic in a in a in a boring old work meeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's I mean, great. I was thinking a lot actually about when I, when I was prepping for this sh- this show. I was actually thinking a lot about the conversations I've had about people transitioning from live to Zoom teaching. Because I think actually Jennifer, you just picked up like what you're talking about with the meetings. It's like I, re- I remember when I was first learning how to teach. One of the first pieces of advice I got was to actually take improv comedy classes, which I did not do. Uh, <laughs> but actually, I've heard that's from a lot of people, and I knew like many of my colleagues in grad school took took improv classes because you have mm-hmm. to be comfortable standing in front of a room of a lot of people saying dumb things and making them sound smart. And that's like 90% of your job. Uh, so a lot of, I mean, I think people, like think people who don't teach don't realize how much teaching is performance. It's entirely performance. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's entirely. Oh, it is. I mean, it's performing and then you put a bunch of smart words and stuff, but also like it's. Perf- nah, everything yeah. I know I learned from professional wrestling. Okay. No, sometimes you get a kid with a chair. It's great. I gotta imagine as a teacher too, your your audience is is pretty dynamic. I mean, you're mm-hmm. trying to reach people that didn't buy a ticket to go there. Like they probably don't want to be there. Well, it's, I just, it's so even weirder. They bought a ticket and they don't want to be there. Right. It's oh, so yeah. it's dynamic. The level of school. Yeah. I'm thinking yeah. I'm, I got kids in school, so I'm thinking like they're get, they're hopping on Zoom. So you know they're in elementary oh, school. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah. I teach college, so it's weird because you know, like you paid a lot of money to be here. Why do you <laughs> want to not be? <laughs> it, it, it is I mean, kind of a, a thing. No one wants to sit on Zoom and listen to <laughs> a lecture for like three hours. Yeah, but yeah. I think the other thing is also I I know very few teachers that want to be on a Zoom call in yeah. lecture for three hours. I imagine yeah. this probably is also true of a lot of performers because like I, I find teaching on Zoom to be really difficult and challenging because you don't get the same kind of what you were talking about with like the feed, the audience feedback because you're kind of even though we're not trying to actually be entertaining ninety percent of the time except for math, uh, <laughs> you're you still trying to be like engaging on some level and they're like, yeah. like being able to kind of like tell from your your classroom like that they're actually alive and breathing is helpful. Um, or even really kind of, paying attention. I mean, uh, particularly, I mean, the lo- you know, the more people you have the sl- yeah. on, on a call, if they've got their cameras on, the slower the call is. So a lot of times, I like I, I at the very beginning, I wanted everybody with their cameras on. I just eventually, I don't care anymore. And, which, you know. <laughs> which I actually, I originally, I think there was sort of an assumption that you would pay more attention uh, in teaching if your student, like your students would pay more attention if you had, if they had their cameras on. But actually, mm-hmm. research has shown that you can actually be more distracted if your camera is on um, for mm-hmm. multiple reasons. I can, one of my colleagues wrote um, a post about it. And then there's all sorts of problems with bandwidth or even, you know, like mm-hmm. privacy issues, why people might not want their cameras on. So I, I, I feel like it can be hard speaking to a bunch of silent black boxes on one hand, but on the other, mm-hmm. um, on, they're, they're, on the other, we do it every week here. So, you know, I think that's yeah. kind of the question though, is it's like, 
for like I find teaching without being in the room with people incredibly draining and also like it, it takes away the part that I always enjoyed about teaching. And one of my things, like as people are having this conversation about teaching, we're like, oh, well, like we'll continue having hybrid and virtual options. And I'm like, will we, though? Because if most teachers got involved in teaching because they like that live interaction with their students, will they actually yeah. want like because I think I could get from a, a student standpoint, like like there are students who want that. But I'm like, when we look at the people who are actually providing the education, do the teachers want to do that? Like, is that what you went to school? You know, you, you didn't go to that, go through school because you were passionate about talking to boxes. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so I and I wonder if the same is true comedy, comedy yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like, I think what's for comedy and for teaching is it's all about connection, right? I mean, that's what you love about teaching is right. you have this idea and then you see it kind of light up in the in in your students and you see how it's affecting them. And I think that's the same thing for comedy as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I, I would think so. Virtually. I mean, yeah, that's what I was wondering. Like, how do you, if you can't see them because i imagine even more so on a show right on a comedy show than if i if i'm teaching to 20 kids i can make them turn the cameras on uh, you know uh, if i want to if you're doing a comedy act to even a hundred people even if they have their com they have their cameras on which would be abysmally slow you certainly don't want them to have their mics live right so you're just talking to you're essentially doing your act in front of a mirror um like like you would practice but you've got to still make it professional somehow that that seems like an odd mix isn't it imagine doing that but someone could just open up a bag of chips on your on your punchline and the internet cuts out and there and that's and there and that was your and you just miss right there and then anyone in the background could be like hey this guy's not funny or this guy's funny or this person or whatever and they're talking to someone when they think that no one can hear them and everyone can hear them and you've got all these things on the screen all oh, moving God. and you're you're telling your joke you're doing your punch you pause a little bit and you go wait do i keep pausing and be that jerk who was like that wasn't very funny and he just waited for a laugh or do i stop because i don't want to step on any laughs because the internet's lagging these are the things that are always happening mm-hmm. and it's bananas but but for, for me personally i would prefer talking to black boxes that it's about expectations from to me and and the energy energy movement obviously because if i know nobody can respond then i know what to do it's not as fun i performed in the same spot standing in my garage yelling into my phone before zoom and all this <laughs> stuff just when i was rehearsing sets thinking about where i should probably pause thinking of where you know these should always be and then i'd go perform and figure out where those actually were doing that live but if i know that's what's happening then i can do it i, per- I rehearse my set sometimes where i'll just be like i would just talk for 20 something minutes nobody was there but i knew that expectation what's messed me up the worst is i was on a zoom show it was the worst zoom show i've ever been on there's like six people in the thing it was some comics and some that weren't and all these things where people would look at you and you could see them looking at you into their webcam and laugh and respond and then say a joke afterwards where somebody who would have enjoyed that joke would definitely enjoy this next one and doesn't at all. And that's what messes me up because it's like that just it, it was jarring and shifted things. And I realized later that there was like, you know, someone had gone in and started heckling and then they kicked out the wrong person. So everyone was like shuffling around and dealing with all these other things that I didn't realize while well, I'm stumbling through my set because I'm just getting thrown off because someone did jump in and start being obnoxious. And I'm like, still, I'm kind of just a new open micer figuring this stuff out. And I'm just like, just and I felt that draining sensation that I hadn't felt since I had bombed live before. And I left the room and I was like, that wasn't as bad as bombing live, but it was it was almost the same thing. And and it was and then I, you know, 
realized what was going on, did a good set later and like removed that. And I just felt elated and amazing and now have a fun story. But it's that I think that illustrates all the, a lot of those weird little things that can happen um, that you just deal with. And it's uh, bizarre, but I would definitely rather have video on and everything. I'd rather have video on and no mics on and be able to see reactions. I'd rather have audio on if it's not going to be weird timing or I'd rather have nothing if I just know that's what I am having. <laughs> About expectations. I think, you know, when you were saying how when you see a comedy show, you could be in the back row or in the front row or in the middle. That's kind of I think the audience can control that with whether or not they're on camera. Right. If they if they take the camera off, they're kind of in the back row or they can be right there. Um, The hard thing as a comedian is that it's kind of like every heckler has their own microphone. Yep. Same Uh, volume as you. (laughs) And and yeah. And and it's usually accidental. It's usually somebody's aunt who's like, I think she's on next. Um, (laughs) Do they not mute the crowd? They they don't mute them centrally. Well, so it's 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 a trade off, right? You either mute the crowd and then as a comedian, you feel like you're bombing. Right. Because it's just it's yeah, just silent. Sense. Especially if you just heard them making reactions and then they go silent. Then it's like, what just happened? Like, like, did you did you guys get that? Should I say it again? <laughs> uh, but if you so uh, when I started my first show, I had everybody muted. And then somebody said, you know, I went on another show. It was much better when there was some laughter. And if we have, you know, fewer than 40 people, what if we have it with laughter? And it turns out that does work better. But I do have my fiance as my electronic bouncer. And he goes through and mics any of the accidental hecklers. Yes. Because you can't, you, and you don't know ahead of time. So, like you're saying, like, well, wouldn't it be, you know, you don't mute them or we'll say, well, you don't know if that person's going to be a good audience member or not. And they might have been a good audience member. And then all of a sudden something happened. And, it, you know, whether it's a mistake that somebody did something and then it's just having people on on the trigger. Like I was on a Zoom, there was like 115 people and they did not do a good job of that muting stuff. And it was like, oh, I'm doing this big thing. It's really fun. And then I was just for like seven or eight minutes. It was just bizarre, weird timing. Nobody was getting muted. Super weird timing thing. And then go on a show like Jennifer's that's really well run where it's like, yeah, you're muting the right people, keeping the energy moving, keeping everything going. Um, It's super fun. It's I think it's it's cool and it's intimate, too. Like we're in, you know, in homes and we're all together experiencing this bizarre thing in the world and getting to like get together and just laugh for a while. It's just oh, super fun. I like it. <laughs> we get in the living room. We get to see your your relatives. We get to see your pets. <laughs> yeah, that happens a lot. That's fun. <laughs> I bring my daughter on sometimes before getting ready for a show and chat in the virtual green room. Seeing people's pets and children on Zoom is one of the better things that's happened <laughs> with that platform. See you say that and then my cat decided to stick her butt in my camera this week during a meeting. It was great. Oh, well. Uh, yes. I prefer that, which have not been a thing. Yeah, Siegfried decided that his tail should block my camera in a meeting, but... It's very helpful. Um, uh, yeah. But Hannah. What, what can you do? Um, you know, I, I, I would kind of like to go back to a comment uh, that you made earlier um, in the show, which was talking about how, in some ways, the pandemic and moving things online has allowed more people to access these shows and comedy. Yeah. So, 100%. Um, you know, this is also true in a lot of ways in like the world of education. Um, and although like maybe for some people, like we absolutely would miss, you know, face to face teaching. But in other ways, there has been more emphasis on accessibility, thinking about providing captions, 
thinking about like, you know, rural areas and how like all these, you know, different needs uh, can be met. So has there been a thought um, or do you either you have thoughts about like how you can think about preserving um, access as like things transition to be more, quote, normal one day? Well, I'm going to keep my virtual show going, um, which is a little bit of a specialty show because I also um, I run an eight week uh, coaching class. And then and then we do, we perform live on Zoom with a Facebook uh, live stream. And I'm going to keep that going. Um, but what I've really enjoyed about the Zoom comedy, I've seen uh, what we've seen is other comedians finding specialty groups for themselves. So I've seen a lot of mm-hmm. LGBT shows where people are like, oh, um, let's all do a show together. And mm. for me, I've been on a lot of all women mics or all women shows and one single parent show. And it was just great to meet all of these people from all over the country or the world and talk about we just make jokes about our kids. Uh, and especially women comedians, I think are very, we love performing in women heavy shows. It just changes the tone. And, um, and we, I, I have women comedian friends all over the country now. So I mm-hmm. really think that continues. I, I mean, I would imagine neither, like neither of you are, are, are touring, you know, the big venues, you're not playing at Vegas yet, or you're not playing Madison square garden. So yeah. this gives you, yes, yeah. So th- <laughs> this, this gives you access to, I mean, like, I mean, you've done road shows, but it gives you access to communities virtually that you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily have as easy access to. So I imagine there's a benefit to it. Oh, it's huge. Absolutely. Like right now, I could go pretty much anywhere in America and some other countries and know somebody who is either there or ready to get on a show with or know somebody knows somebody to help connect those dots. And I've helped people connect those dots when they've come to where I live. I live in Idaho. I never even performed where I live because I just did it when I, you know, it was like a hey, hanging out at my hotel after work um, on the road. Okay, well, what do I want to do? Do I want to watch Netflix or do I want to go down this weird, bizarre path of trying to make people laugh? And I, and I chose that one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so back home, I didn't really perform. And I intend to as things open up and I get vaccinated and everything. Um, but we'll definitely keep having those connections. Network. Like one cool thing too is being on shows with people that I have no business to be on shows with, like just from getting the meeting, the meeting people and doing a decent job where it's like, it's more about, I think ability than anything. It's like, it's kind of an even playing field, which much suck kind of, if you are, if you started out higher up, but like you, <laughs> I'm just some dude who's just like, I think I got some funny stuff to say and I work on material and, and it, and it, a lot of stuff is fun. Um, and I end up getting on these shows with people. I'm not, this isn't a brag. It's just saying like that a lot of people are getting people, see people that have no reason, like I would never have been connected with. And, uh, and, and now we are and the accessibility. I had never really thought about that a lot. Personally, I'm a straight white dude. I just, you know, I, I just wasn't the first thing I thought of, but I was really excited when I was realizing that because there are so many people, like especially a lot of women too, who like just didn't always feel comfortable even going out sometimes because obviously Mm -hmm. you don't have to deal with stuff that I would never even think of. Um, and just being able to just hop on Zoom and you know hit five, six, seven, eight mics in a day with an engaged audience. Oh, wow, it's uh, it's nuts. I normally don't do that many myself. I might do one to two or three, sometimes four sets in a day. But a lot of people are doing these like all day long and getting into different communities. Like here's a mic that started out of base out of New York or this scene over here, and then getting all connected. Um, that hadn't occurred to me. So so you have that ability now. You're, I mean, yeah. Um, you can you can do. You can do an open an open mic that is quote unquote in Idaho, followed by yeah. one that is in New York City. Yeah. 15 minutes apart now. 
Yeah, I did four sets last night in the span of a couple of hours. Now, usually you do want to hang out and like be a part of the audience more. Friday night, sometimes they just kind of folks kind of just understand because there's so many going on. But there's there's still a lot of people in the Zooms uh, when you're bouncing around. Uh, but but absolutely like like Flappers Comedy Club puts on a Zoom mic um, every day of the week and then a couple of times different days of the week. And I host uh, Thursday nights all MC on there usually um, and they'll have different people running it. And yeah, it's technically, you know, it's on the Internet, so it's not really anywhere, but it's based right. out of that entity in yeah, that yeah. place and keeps yeah. them connected and engaged. And other uh, groups do that, too. And um, yeah, you can be anywhere. <laughs> As a mom, it's a lot easier for me to make virtual shows. Um, I was in the yeah. a New York Festival and the Boston Comedy Festival, and I didn't have to make that that awkward, you know, well, would would you be okay if mom went away for a few days? No, I could just. <laughs> yeah, same being a dad right now. I got kids yeah. inside right now, and you know, I just be like, okay, I got like my my eleven and twelve year old boys. Like, okay, hang out with your five year old sister for like twenty minutes. I'll be right back doing my set. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's fascinating. And I, and I mean, I guess it's the it shouldn't surprise me. It's it's the world of podcasting, right? Like we've had people mm-hmm. on our show here from all over the world and the production. So the first time I worked television or radio, I had a job at a, at a public access television station in high school. So when I was like 16. Right. And the amount of equipment and access that I had at that point was certainly more than we run this show off of. And it's where I learned video and audio editing. But on the other hand, that show, you know, we were limited to, oh, we've got a city councilman on today. We've got, you know, you know, we've got yeah. people in that town because that's who we had access to um, local celebrities. And everything. so but yeah, you you suddenly have I mean, you have a much bigger world, just like we do. We've had you know, we've got you guys on. We're, we're not even in the same cities. We're doing from three different from three separate cities between between the regular hosts, but you guys mm-hmm. are in Idaho and, and, and San Diego. I wouldn't have normally been able to book you on a show, not without having you travel. Yeah. There's a lot of crossover between what you do and what we do. <laughs> Holding a, a conversation with all of these people about interesting things and surprising things. So yeah, I think you guys are all kind of comics. We try occasionally. <laughs> well, do we try? I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of wondering if that also like changes the content of some of like people's work because I would, I mean, okay, that's not steeped in stand up, but like I would assume that there's at least some regional differences of like some jokes land in, in the Midwest that don't land on the West Coast, yeah, for example. Yeah, that gets, that gets weird because it gets all the groups together. So whichever group happens to get more upset about whatever joke it is, for example, that's what, that's what changes the tone immediately. I'm not saying what's good or bad or right or wrong. It's just what is. So there's, so it has been challenging for like some comics I know who are into just a little more rougher comedy. I don't even know how to describe it exactly, but edgier, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, um, really having a hard time in a lot of places because you got all these groups together um, and, you know, you're you're not all in the same place. So you might not sure. all react to the same things the same way. And I kind of warn people that a little bit, too. Well, you know, that uh, just, you know, be cognizant of that and, and realize that that's what you're jumping into and you're jumping into Zoom stuff. I feel like any jokes that like demonize a particular sports team are probably just, <laughs> just don't. Well, I wasn't even wondering just that. I was wondering just like tone of the act, not even as much as like, you know, swearing or working blue. Um, sure. like, so like as far as uh, uh, Jennifer, you said, you know, you you have enjoyed working like single, uh, like single, single women and, and working moms. And, you know, you've, you've, you've talked about like, you know, the specialty themed shows. Right. 
And if I do that, if I do that in in real life, if I go to a black club versus I go to a um, a club of, you know, blue collar comedy tour style club. Right. Like I know what I'm getting into when I walk into that. Sure. Room, right. Like and I, I know I cannot do my showtime at the Apollo material, you know, in the middle of, of Iowa. Like it just won't work. Right. Um, on the, but on but in your world right now, you don't really know who's gonna log in, do you? Yeah, it could be so and so's aunt or whatever who's on the show. There could be ten comedians bringing different people to it, and whoever's promoting it, who knows where that's getting promoted? Like, yeah, you have no idea. <laughs> so yeah, so what do you do when? Um, I mean, and, and again, not that you're necessarily not not that you're necessarily trying to offend some group, but comedy by its very nature is often offensive, right? Like that's kind of the even in good humor right so there's a there are jokes that one might make in front of a predominantly african-american crowd if you are an african-american person that will not land at all in front of in front of a bunch of white people and in fact might be very offensive and vice versa there are gay jokes that might be made in an lgbtq club that won't land for a public audience or that will be vastly offensive to them because of lack of context. And if you don't know that going in, how do you prepare for it? Like the TikToks mocking the, mock, mock the streets. I actually, think... I, really, as I really enjoy this <laughs> person because they're honestly not wrong. <laughs> I don't really, this is where it comes where I don't have this uh, the, the, a great perspective on, well, this is my perspective on, I'll say what it is, is being so new. I basically started on Zoom. I didn't really have maybe two minutes of okay material when I started on Zoom. So this is where I've developed it. And I don't really, I'm not a comedian who does anything that offends people. And not because I, not, this is not what I, this is not what I think about when I think about what's funny. Like the jokes I come up with just happen to not be those things. They're silly stories and personal stories and observations of things. And um, I've done them in pretty much every kind of room and culture and, and typically goes pretty, uh, I'm not, I'm not trying to like say I'm some great comedian. I'm just saying like, I haven't had that issue with the type of material that I do, but I can definitely see that from folks that that would be an issue with, but I, I haven't personally um, encountered that, which I think has probably helped me because now I can go do comedy that's like clean and not going to piss anybody off. But that should be fun, you know? So I think that's mm -hmm. a perk of developing in that land in that sense. I think um, as a comedian and, and probably as well, anything, you have to know your audience. And sometimes it's, it's a little more obvious because it's called the chronic comedy room, right? Or... Um, <laughs> women under glass if you're going to a women under glass you know, about women and the glass ceiling you know this isn't right. you know bitches be crazy kind of kind of territory <laughs> <laughs> i have noticed that there's regional differences i think the east coast comics like the new york uh they they just have this kind of roasting thing built in so they're mm -hmm. yeah i feel like why are you so angry and mean but that's just <laughs> <laughs> um, and i'm trying to learn from it so i i want to be a little roasty um so I, i've noticed that but um, I think what Nico's saying is is absolutely true. What there and it's it's a lot of conversations in his, in the the displaced comedian group where people are saying, "Why can't we make jokes about this?" and and this really interesting cultural discussion comes up where like this is offensive and you're showing your privilege and all of these things are coming out. But um, I think that the modern what I'm seeing is a lot of comedy that's just based on your life and you're not yep. punching. And punching down isn't really funny anymore mm -hmm. for a lot of audiences. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that is a, it's really interesting, especially so one of the things Jennifer and I talked about a little bit was like kind of cancel culture in comedy. And we recently had an episode on camp- cancel culture where actually I think a lot of our examples, which I don't think was intentional, were from stand up comedy, just because mm-hmm. I think kind of what you're talking about is like there are these traditions of comedy that are like intended to kind of like piss uh, like piss some people off, whether it's people in the audience or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people have done that, you know, negotiated that really well. And some people I think like, A, haven't negotiated it that well, or like what Jennifer is talking about. It's like they, their, their comedy is punching down in a way that like maybe it, people didn't perceive it that way, like 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, it's to me, it's just weird. It's like funny is funny is funny. And it just isn't funny to a lot of people and people get upset. Like they post the group, why no one gets my whatever. I'm like, that was your job, dude. You just <laughs> like, I'm sorry. It must be weird. Like if your job as someone, someone posted this and this is kind of along the lines I've been thinking about it. So it was really well done. Um, was like, look, if you're, jo- if you're used to doing your job one way forever, and then like all of a sudden your job's different, like it's going to be weird. It's going to be hard. It's going to have different tools. I didn't start mm-hmm. in the comedic world before, you know, when that was very different. So I don't have that perspective of that transition of when things became whatever they are now. Was it a one day everyone was like, Hey, let's not be assholes. I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's probably been a progression of society in general, mm-hmm. but, but now all of a sudden they're like, you know, complaining about like, if you spent all this, took all this energy complaining about how the things you used to think were funny, like people aren't liking mm-hmm. then and put that energy into just working on telling jokes and writing new shit, you probably would be a little better off or maybe you wouldn't. Cause maybe you're just not going to be that funny. person. And that's, <laughs> well, maybe, well I, wasn't even, I don't know. I wasn't uh, even thinking about intentional offense though. I was thinking about, right. um, so, so one of our, one of our most popular shows we ever did, um, was our, um, your black friend is tired episode that we did at the beginning of the George mm-hmm. Floyd riots. And, mm-hmm. When I did that show, because you guys weren't there, um, by by concept, like it was me and a bunch of my other black friends. Like it was everybody on that show was African American, um, or African Canadian. <laughs> um, sorry, Kingdom. Um, so, so, yeah. So, um, so yeah, but, but it was a bunch of black people on that show. And I remember at the very top of the show doing a little bit of a disclaimer. It's like, this is going to be a little different than the regular Vox Pop. You know, we might use the N word from time to time. It was that sort of thing. I was like setting the stage because this was a different concept than our pseudo academic round table that we normally do. Right. So, so like, I mean, and also a different community because like, right. Regular listeners know that with the exception of Mav, the rest of our co-hosts are white. I would be willing to get bet that a lot of our listenership probably White? I don't, I don't know. know. I'm sure. <laughs> Please, I was going to say, let us know in the comments, but no, I don't want to know. Don't. Do no, I don't want to know. <laughs> unless you, ad- Hi. Unless Hi. you identify as an extraterrestrial. <laughs> Or something yeah, really like, fascinating. No. Yeah, like, but, <laughs> but, but yeah, but I, I mean, just in general, like if I if I'm if I'm doing that, if I if I'm working a club um, as a comedian where I know it's a black club, I know my audience, I know not being mean, I know I speak in a different way than mm-hmm. I'm going to. If I'm if I'm a lesbian woman going to a lesbian club, my comedy might be different than it than it would be more niche because you're trying to commute you're trying to connect with that audience than you would be going to a room full of truckers who are going to be very much not just turned off i mean but minorly offended by the way that a group of lesbians might speak in private again not i, I don't mean and i don't mean that they're trying to offend the person yeah. it's not like i'm not saying material about truckers being stupid i mean just women using words you know like well it, it's a in, cultural difference because like right. the, the in the what's a uh what's what i'm looking for something that's like an in 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 community joke or like even like some of the vocabulary yes of like 
I, as a straight person, don't know a lot of queer vocabulary, or if I do, probably not to the level I would need to understand some of the higher level, more meta jokes. Yeah, right. Right. And, and like, you know, so in a, in a, in a black club, in a black comedy club, the N word gets thrown around like candy. It, you know, it, it free flows. It's not meant to be offensive. It's meant to be. <laughs> it, 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 and there's a tone thing that I can't even. This this episode's not going to be about me explaining how do you know when someone's being offensive versus not. But it's not meant that way. But probably to the four view, the level at which it would be done at an all black club would get really uncomfortable after about two minutes. So somehow, <laughs> when you're doing these Zoom these Zoom shows. You've got to know to not do that. And it seems that it seems weird, right? Because or you I, just decide that you don't care. Right. And if I'm doing like, a show like Jen, like Jen was saying, if I'm doing a show that is promoted as, you know, the Kings of Comedy online, right? Kings of Comedy was this uh, show with Bernie Mac, uh, Steve Harvey, uh, DL Hughley and Cedric the Entertainer from years ago. And it was their tour. It was four black comedians touring together. If they brought that, well, Bernie's dead. But if they brought that kind of um, show together and did it online right now, you if they promoted it that way, you would expect it to be like that old show. Right. So you would expect it, expect it to be a very black show. But if you just are saying, hey, we're going to do a comedy act on online. It's a Zoom comedy act. And Steve Harvey is headlining and people think they're going to get the guy from the family feud. Steve Harvey, the comedian, is not the guy from the fucking family feud. It's a very different show. (laughs) And and that's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah, it's it does. It does. It it, it's got to be weird. Um, I personally don't uh, I said most since I've since what I've developed has been in this landscape. It's pretty neutral and I haven't really found the huge difference in different zooms I've been in um, with that. But that's got to be super weird, especially someone who's someone who's like been doing it for a really long time. Maybe who's like a professional who is used to, you know, being able to go into a room and have a diff- bunch of you know different material based on where they're at um, hopping in zoom. Uh, it's, I think as a comedian, it's your job to connect with the audience and mm-hmm. to, so you you kind of try to read the room or before you go up. Um, I have a bunch of kind of if I know the audience is going to be at least half women, then there's some material that I'm more likely to do. Mm-hmm. But if, if it's an all guy lineup, it's not the, it's not the crowd for my menopause jokes. You know, yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. It would be an they might they might find it uneasy not that it's offensive it's just you're talking to women well it's like it, it would be like a guy coming into a women's show like 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 i was saying like like a, like a male comic coming into an audience of mostly women doing like crazy like them, them bitches though yeah which like, i have seen guys do and in some ways like i think not quite the cancel culture thing but i've definitely been in smaller clubs where i've seen male comics do that and like clearly did not do what, what you know what you guys are talking about of kind of like matt like making sure that your material connects with the audience because they were basically making fun of women the other, the entire time and basically like everyone sat there and politely listened and then literally like the worst example i ever saw is a bartender at some point female bartender i think went up and just kind of like and the next person yeah because <laughs> the guy was clearly panicking like he wasn't yeah. try- i don't think he was trying to be offensive maybe he just didn't know what the audience was it- and he was panicking on stage. The show right now, we have three women and two and two men. And if I were like, if I had a routine about, you know, who's had a prostate exam? Well, <laughs> you guys have not <laughs> because, you know, like, like, how do you, you know, you'd have to know, you'd have to know to adapt it. And it just seems to me 
harder if you can't see the audience at all. But maybe you have to know ahead of time. It's a good skill to have. I mean, I think you could still do your prostate joke, but you might need to explain some things or you might need to, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, As you become a better comedian, you have, I have different sets, right? So I have my women only set and then I have my, you know, um, oh, I might be going into a territory that has different political views. I will just make cat jokes, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And, and I think that's really you how people like cats. Is that a thing? I don't even know. At this point, I just. <laughs> but, um, but I think as you become a better comedian and a more professional comedian, then you have uh, material that appeals to a, a larger audience or you can make it work. Yeah. And that's really like the stuff I did on your show, Jennifer. Basically, all that I've been developing is stuff that seems to go across lots of different rooms. It's actually been really fun because there have been different cultural differences. And I don't always know when I'm on a show, I'm like, who's going to be there? And I did one that was primarily African-American, whatever I'm supposed to say. I don't know. Uh, and, and it actually went awesome. It was like the most fun show I'd been on. And I was like, this was great. This Everyone's just having so much fun and being super funny. And, you know, I was doing the same stuff I do in every other Zoom. And uh, it's been kind of weird and, and fun to start developing. I wonder how many people are starting. There's a lot of people, obviously, that are starting on Zoom. They're going to go yeah. out live. And I'm hoping that, you know, it goes well. And and maybe they're, I don't, I don't know, every, obviously, everybody sets and what they're doing. Everyone has their own perspectives on what they're doing. But if we can all kind of grow from no Going like, hey, let's try to do stuff that makes everybody laugh. Then I don't know. Maybe that's not a bad thing. I think the other thing is that um, when you're honest and authentic, that's it's yep. surprisingly that's what's funny. So if you just had a prostate exam and it was mind blowing, I want to know about it, even though. That's- <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> mind blowing is not the word I would have chosen. <laughs> no. you, know, you know, if if that is how you feel, Mav, you should just lean into it. No, no judgment. We're not going to judge you, Mav. This is oh, a safe space. Mav had an incredible <laughs> prostate exam experience. Right. He's going to tell us all about it right at, now. At, at what point at what point in, you know, this the last three years of this show versus you knowing me even for years beyond that, have I ever seemed embarrassed by anything? Yeah. If, Actually, if, no, the, if I enjoyed a prostate that, exam, I would tell you. I'm pretty sure that part of your brain has been lobotomized through just something, some process. I, yeah. I feel like is, there, but... there's a certain point in which you just, not you specifically, but just anyone willing to do a podcast has like some sense of inability to feel embarrassment after a certain point. Well, this is actually something I've been thinking about for a while because so uh, I always forget that people listen to us. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Every time I look at the stats and like learn that a few hundred people listen to any given episode, I'm just like, I, I have my, my brain can't actually process it. It's the way that like normal people, I think, feel when they look at, you know, somewhat like how much money Jeff Bezos makes in five minutes. <laughs> um, so like, I can't even conceptualize that. I cannot conceptualize the people listen to this show. So hi, people listening to the show. I'm still not convinced you exist. Um, Thank you, and please leave us a five star review on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify. Yeah, to <laughs> confirm proof of life. Um, no, but I think like one of the things we were thinking about access is I kind of wonder. I mean, I think I would personally find doing like a, a set on Zoom less viscerally horrifying than going up on stage in a club. And I say this having signed up to do this because I am actually taking Jennifer's class on stand up. So if I if I if I become slightly more funny uh, by the July, then you can credit her class. Um, <laughs> but like, it, it seems like because like I would appreciate being able like like because in, in a podcast, like I'm mostly just sitting here talking to you guys. Yeah. And that's my experience of it. Even though I, yeah. 
Yeah, and I and I and I know y'all. And but I think the other piece of it is because like I don't have to like watch Zoom videos because I also hate presenting in Zoom. I found out because that's the thing that I've been doing recently. Uh, I have a question for Jen, like, for Jen on that then because yeah, because that, that's I mean Jen, you're teaching a class, and so presumably Katya is not the only person who's never done stand up before who signed up for this class, right? Right. Actually, I only want people who have never done stand up. I don't claim to be the best um, or most experienced stand up person, but I love bringing new people into it because I love how <laughs> it changes people. So the reason I asked that, and again, I'm I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a stand. Maybe I should take the class too. I'm not a stand. <laughs> I, I'm not. A, I'm not a stand. I mean, it's it's weird because I'm in this weird position where even before this show, I was doing I was doing a lot of weird comedy stuff. Like I'd been writing. I'd been an avid blogger for years, of which I was. <laughs> you know, I have a following such that it is because I'm at least mildly funny in professional wrestling. I'm. I certainly wasn't good. So you know. <laughs> so like people who enjoyed me enjoyed me because I was at least mildly entertaining. Right. That's like that's part of the gimmick and Katya, you made a joke at the beginning of the show about like how i teach yeah it really is incorporating a lot of the comedy and stuff that oh, yeah. i've learned from this was, it's just it's my that's I, yeah that's my persona for teaching and and same my teaching persona is based off of eddie izzard right like i actually do eddie, I, I like i was actually telling jennifer like this when we first met is that like my t- like i actually do a voice when i'm teaching to ventriloquize like certain annoying perspectives that i find kind of idiotic <laughs> mm-hmm but it is basically the voice of Eddie Izzard doing James Mason. <laughs> and, and I think every, even like the very serious, like teachers, like the, the fancy faculty who are very serious, uh, <laughs> all have like different little, even if it's not funny, right? Like, they have different ways of trying to keep people entertained and engaged because otherwise mm-hmm. no one would ever want to take your class. Right. And, uh, or if you're any good at it, you, you certainly do. And sure. but what but what I was thinking is like so when I when I started wrestling right um I I trained for over a year you know in front of the ten people I was training with right and before I was ever on stage you know in the ring in front of anybody else so like so you very much like I, like I knew how to give a suplex I knew how to give a body slam I knew how to do all the things that one needs to do to wrestle and I'd done practice shows where we bring in the relatives of you know ten of all the other trainees everybody brings two or three people so we practice by having a wrestling show you know where everybody has a match in front of 30 people but they're all like the girlfriend boyfriend brother sister parents of whoever is you know who's whoever was training with me so i'd done that before but the first time i actually wrestled in front of you know 500 people that's terrifying right and and, and i think that's what you were getting at katya it's like the the whole new yeah. experience of oh my god there are people watching me and i cannot forget that they're there because there are people watching me i'm going to screw up that said about a year in it sort of changes right so uh, uh after i was after i was working wrestling for a while um and i got to where i'm relying on the crowd i i need to know whether they're enjoying things or not they're part of my pacing so that if you happen to work you know the first time i ever worked a show that was not a sm- the, the smallest crowd i ever wrestled in front of was maybe a dozen people like that was um it, that was an abysmally horrible show where they didn't sell any tickets and it's just like awful right and it's really hard to go out there and there are 12 people watching and you spend the entire time going, why am I here? This is weird because it is suddenly a very different experience 
from having 200 people watching you or a thousand people watching you or even 50 people watching you to fucking 12 to where I can stand there in the stage and you know, I can stand there in the middle of the ring. I could punch a guy and then I can look around and I can go, well, there's 12 people and seven of them enjoyed that. Fuck. How do I get the other five like that? Like mm-hmm. it's terrifying, right? Like that's how So I don't know. I kind of wonder if this whole new world of the zoom work that like Katya is going to be able to go and do her first comedy routine in front of nobody having to, she's not going to have to see anybody's face and will it transfer to when she does have to see people or not? And I don't know. That, so it, it is a process and, you know, I do an eight week course and then we do a show uh, on zoom. Um, I used to do this in person and we would, I would rent out my local coffee cafe, um, chocolate bistro, and we would have a crowd of about 80, but that was a, it was a great room for it. Um, will they go on to do shows for hundreds? I, I don't know. Actually, that's, that's, <laughs> if so, they, they have a lot more growth to do. So I just want to mm-hmm. give people the chance to play, um, yeah. to play their ideas, to find out what are they passionate about and how can we turn this into something that communicates to other people? Cause if you can do that for even the small class, then that's how you get your material. And then you can work mm-hmm. on and then once you perform once you kind of you just have that visceral memory of what it's like to perform and get laughs if you want to pursue it then there's a lot more work to do you know Mm -hmm. uh, you want to be a professional comedian that's that's another journey that's going to take some years Mm -hmm. i think that everybody can benefit especially smart people can benefit from um finding out how to find the surprise we don't know any of those (laughs) (laughs) you guys are so smart You know how, and and also you're right. I mean, as a teacher, I was a teacher for 25 years in a classroom. I taught English uh, as a foreign, as a second language to adults. Mm. You have this teacher, right? I had this teacher persona Mm -hmm. where in real life I was really shy, but in the classroom, I was like a cocktail party hostess, right? With this captive audience. And Mm -hmm. so as a comedian, you get this comedy persona. What's your comedy persona? And I think you can use that anywhere. So even Mm -hmm. if you get to the stadium stage, I don't know if I ever want to sell out a stadium. I don't know if that's my style, but I love talking about my, what I'm passionate about and um, trying to get people into my stories and being engaging and funny. That's, that's enough for me. Interesting. I think the usefulness of your class, uh, I I really do want to say that, you know, Anybody, whether you're going to take a comedy class, an improv class, pro wrestling, any kind of performance class, I think really does help you to in other aspects of your life for, you know, for us, your teachers. But like I used to be, you know, by day I was a software designer, right? Like that was that was the thing that I did. And and there are meetings and stuff. And you start learning that, you know, whenever you're presenting, whenever you're talking to people, it is it is a kind of performance that Mm -hmm. um. I, I never, we went to, we went to karaoke. This was years ago. We went to karaoke and, um, with, um, a, a group of friends of ours. Um, and my wife was there and several friends of ours. And a friend of mine, um, was a model and stripper and she went up there and sang. And, uh, and I remember, I remember my wife leaning over saying, she, she looks terrified. What's wrong with her? And I was like, what do you mean? What's wrong with her? She's singing in front of a stage and it's scary. And she's like, and, and Steph's like, she poses and, you know, she dances in front of people naked, like all the time. And I'm like, different person. And, and she's like, what do you, and, and it's just like the, the, the mentality of, of, you know, like here is a vulnerability of being able to, you know, she has to sing as herself. 
Whereas the person who dances and takes her clothes off, different person. It, like you can't, you know, yeah. it's, a, well, it's a different persona. And it's like, and she cannot, she cannot escape into her head and be that person while she's singing. And yeah, she's clearly yeah. terrified. Well, cause it's a different persona. It's a different skill. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, this is kind of something like to the difference between, like I said earlier, like there's over, there's definitely overlap between teaching and, and something like stand up. But like, you know, I, I have given a lecture in, in a hall. I think I've topped out at like 500 people. Mm-hmm. I would be horrified to walk and do the same thing. And like, that was, you know, a stressful experience because, you know, speaking on a stage and whatever is for me always somewhat stressful. But like that, I'm just sort of like, okay, that is a thing I can do. I can read my lecture. I can do my thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, but if, but if you, but if I would like, even if I wrote a set and what like felt equally, like I could do the, 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 the prep for say like a standup routine in the same way, that would be much more intimidating to me because I think that there's a difference between academic presentation and something more like comedy because even though at least this would be my assumption and this is i think how i perceive it from my end is it's like there's a difference between presenting academic work and something that feels much more personal because you can depersonalize academic work mm-hmm. and teaching I think, much more easily not Nico everyone does nico and jen how do you feel about that because i really do i really do find large crowds easier because it's less personal like five people paying attention to you is far more terrifying than 50 people paying attention to you. I guess what I mean is the content. Yeah, yeah. What I mean is the content. I only get nervous when I'm not prepared for whatever it is. So Mm -hmm. I'm super stoked to hop on Zoom and see five faces paying attention to me or 30 or 40 or 50 or more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, just any, any, any range of that. Um, and like, as far as like, you know, persona and stuff, I'm kind of just me. And I kind of think that that works. Like I don't have a different, mm-hmm. um, you know, being this person, like as Jennifer touched on a couple of times, just, just connecting and being personal and, and being, uh, being authentic and people realizing very quickly that what you're saying, you believe, or at least they believe that you believe. And just like in it, whatever that situation uh, um, happens to be and to be able to connect with um, with everybody there. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's, I say persona, but it's it's still me. Uh, most mm-hmm. of my stories are based in truth. Uh, mm-hmm. I do my cat. But um, <laughs> it's different because you have a it's like a different. I was thinking about your your karaoke friend. It's a different mm-hmm. skill set that you're going into autopilot. Right. She probably right, right. routines that she just knows. And mm-hmm. she does as a dancer. Yes. Um, and uh, so when when I do sets, I think about what jokes I want to do. And if I'm starting to launch into my menopause set or my cat set, um, I know where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And so so that's actually what I really want for people who take the class It's not that they will go on to sell out Madison Square Garden, but that whenever they want at any cocktail party, at any presentation, even a lecture hall of 500 people. There might be some signature stories or a signature joke, or even the way they introduce themselves that will immediately captivate the crowd and pay attention to you for the next 30 minutes of whatever it is you have to say. That's mm-hmm. awesome. That is, that is an excellent point. I love it. And too, by the way, when I said persona, I didn't mean like you're not authentic. I just mean like, just, I, I just was thinking through uh, some things. So um, yeah, that's awesome. To be have people prepared for that. Cause everything in life, like I'm in sales, my job is to talk to you and communicate in a way that you're going to end up agreeing with me in some fashion for something. And that's what we're doing in comedy. Every so many seconds, we're trying to get those, all those you know, punches in and get that reaction. So, you know, taking a class that gets people more prepared for that in any situation, professional, you know, relationships, life, whatever, that's going to be, you know, that's, of course, that's going to be beneficial to anybody. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, ac- I'm also a licensed acupuncturist and when I introduce myself, I say, yeah, I'm an acupuncturist. I stab people for a living and I have a five-star Yelp review. 
(laughs) Even if we're going to be talking about, no, I don't take insurance. Yes, I can help you with your back. The fact that, you know, we've we've started the conversation that way means they are more likely to listen to me. Mm, Yeah. Well, it's it's like it's like uh, humanizing is not quite the word, but it makes you relatable in a way that just like starting with the insurance conversation, because if you start the insurance conversation, this person is like, oh, they're all about paperwork. Oh, they're not a real person. They just, they just, they just do paperwork and bureaucracy. Right. Oh, this is going to be boring. And <laughs> yeah. Um, so I actually started stand-up comedy in order to make myself braver as an acupuncturist because I was mm. a terrible networker because I was afraid of conversations. <laughs> I was really afraid of microphones. So when they do that whole pass the microphone around for that 30 second speech, I just broke out in a cold sweat. Mm. It's, that's allowed me to become really talkative and now I, now nobody can shut me up <laughs> i'm like trying to envision that jennifer i'm like i don't even doesn't uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, well, that's, awesome. that's great again whatever class you can take on performance i think it's a good idea i think it's something everybody should try i i'm excited to hear katya's set. you know oh um, god well oh, that yeah. could be an episode that. we could just let you do no. your set no oh absolutely oh, yeah, no. yeah. I'm <laughs> on the stage right now. Let's make some notes. Do it. I could stab people through the internet. I would. Oh come <laughs> on! You know, you, 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 you can say stuff. We can, you know, I can, I can toss on the the, the rim shot. You know, <laughs> you talk about your prostate, Mav. What? Yeah, only if, Mav. Only if you do a set about your prostate exam. I, I, I mean, I don't. I, I now I have to write one. I don't have an actual <laughs> bit about. I, mean, I have to write a set apparently to... now too. So you have to do one about your prostate exam. I, I, I need to get another one. Actually, I've had birthday. Oh, oh great. You know, it'll, give you more, it'll give you. It'll give you more content. Well, yep. you know, it's like, and, and do I really want to go do that during COVID? And it, there's so much going on. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> another, another unexpected gift of comedy is that it's the awkward and embarrassing things that make good comedy. Uh, yeah, for sure. mm-hmm. Nobody wants yeah. to hear jokes about the dinners that didn't burn or the dates that went well. We want to hear about disasters. Mm-hmm. So I'll state exam thinking, how can I communicate what this is like and and just hype it up? I think that could be a good set. Yeah. Yeah. Anything embarrassing that happens is just exciting. It's like, oh, my gosh, this is so funny. Mm-hmm. I gotta take a, like I got to take a picture for this mess before I clean it up. Like that whole. <laughs> I'm No, we're not taking pictures of my. No, not exam. that. This is not. This is not. This is Whatever you're into. Yeah, no oh, man. There are limits. Uh, um, I, I was going to say, uh, my last medical procedure was getting a second COVID shot. So, like, that's, but again, that's not really funny. It was literally just like, you know, 30 seconds. Like, oh, let's see. I mean, are we going to, are we going to be able to laugh at COVID? I guess we kind of uh, do on this show. I mean, we already kind of, yeah, yeah. we already do. Because yeah. how else are you going to get through gestures broadly yep. at the trash fire of the last year? And well, change? I guess uh, I've solved that. So I guess we've resolved one thing, so we don't have to resolve the rest of it. Yay! Yay! <laughs> oh, this has been this has been fun. I mean, I think it's hopefully hopefully educational, but it was certainly interesting. Yeah, I think it's good. Uh, Jen and uh, and Nico, it's nice it's nice meeting you. This was great. Thank you for coming on. Likewise, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> no, I'm excited. It's fun. I'm happy that Jennifer reached out and and and, and this came together. This is this is awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, I mean, if you guys want to plug anything, uh, if we wanted to hear, I'll, I'll do I'll, Nico first because I'm looking at the screen. Um, <laughs> uh, where would people find out more about you, your your comedy, anything that? You yeah, so um, laughyourlukoff.com. It- <laughs> 
and some Facebook friend like said recommended that at one point. I don't know who, and I've asked like someone I want to credit that. So I'll, I'll take credit for it. Guys, laughyourlukeoff.com. That's where I just have a list of whatever stuff I've got coming up. Um, if you're a comedian or someone who's working on just trying to find somewhere to tell some jokes or thinking about doing that, uh, Mav, go to Displaced Comedians uh, on the Facebook if you want to join the group or displacedcomedians.com if you don't want to be in a group and just want to see the massive list of mics because I understand not everyone wants to be a part of that group, but they just want to be able to access stuff. So I have a list of that. And I know a, a very funny comedian, Todd Royce, who actually was a wrestler too before. I, I was going to mention that and is absolutely hilarious. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm, I'm doing a bunch of Zoom shows and VR shows and stuff. So yeah, hope to see folks on those. Absolutely. And Jen. Um, uh, you can find me on, on Facebook or Instagram, uh, Gen X and the So Fucking Funny Show. Uh, my next show is actually next Friday, April 16th. And we have three new st- new people doing their very first comedy debut. So it's going to be super fun. And yeah, I have a new eight week group starting May in the first week of May. And so if you want to you want to hear Katya uh, as she progresses and be part of that, hit me up. <laughs> yes, I, I think Katya can have like a tight 60 minutes and she's going to just no. do a whole episode. <laughs> in- <laughs> no. <laughs> We'll air it here and on HBO, and it'll be great. This yes, is, um, because we have such good connections at HBO. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> they, they really appreciate all my commentary on all of their shows. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. See, there you go. We'll, you could have like a whole routine that is just Hannah complaining about Game of Thrones. That would be great. <laughs> Look, all that material is really old. I know it's old, but I can't help it because every time I think about it, it makes me I mean, really to be fair, angry. I'm pretty sure half of the internet is also not over it, so I yeah. think... Oh, yeah. I think you have. I yeah. think there are people who agree with you. I think so. they are. Just, just really quick, because uh, Hannah, you and I have been talking. <laughs> oh man, uh, well, we've been talking about Space Jam a lot. This is a movie that exists, as far <laughs> as I can tell, for no reason other than to a commercial. Like, it's, it's, it's a commercial. commercial. Yeah, it's a commercial for like, you and I, right? Like this is. There's no audience for this film. Um, I am confused. Because it's got, you know, it's not just Looney Tunes. I was just watching the trailer and they've got Clockwork Orange in this. And Game they've of Thrones. They've got Multi-Spoken yeah. and Game of Thrones. Who the fuck is nostalgic for Game of Thrones? It ended two years ago okay. and everybody hated it. Okay, look, like, I've, been, I've been on HBO Max watching The Nanny because apparently what I want to do is relive my childhood. Um, Yeah. And, and Game of Thrones for me constantly keeps pushing Game of Thrones. And, you know, because I'm slowly like devolving, um, I'm just talking to my laptop by myself and I start keep going, HBO Max, stop trying to make Game of Thrones happen. It's not going to happen. And just, (laughs) you know what, George, release Winds of Winter so I can do my close reading about how the show just doesn't make narrative sense again. And I'll just and then like, we'll just, don't and then we'll just close with, with like 20 minutes at the end of Hannah just screaming into the void. <laughs> I mean, that is basically anytime you bring up Game of Thrones, it's just me screaming into the void. Um, yep. But with articulate. I eat. So you know. for more screaming into the void, Hannah, where would people find you? You can find me on VoxPopcast.com where you can read blogs about our upcoming shows and leave comments. And maybe you perhaps want to be a guest. Maybe you want to talk about, I, you know, actually, I don't know what we're going to be doing soon. So, you know, give us an idea. If you, if you go to the blog, you can find out what we're going to be doing soon. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's what it's there for. And Katya. You can find me technically on the internet at uh, just that nerd kid on Instagram, mostly sewing content. 
may or may not actually exist there at the moment, but you know, we're an internet enigma. You've been posting so. pictures again. You've had a couple up there. On, I posted on the, some yeah. things. Mm-hmm. I'm trying yeah. to be a person that makes things again. We'll see how it goes. And then you'll be doing your set at the garden when? I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> No, we're not cable guys. They might not think that we're friends. Do do they think that? Do they think we're friends? Apparently not. All of my friendships are based on 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 good natured ribbing and uh, you know. You gotta be able to do that. Did you get that from the nanny? Because I (laughs) I think you might have. (laughs) What? Uh, I've been watching. I, I've been watching the nanny, and just like all the relationships are just based on like quippy ones. So you can follow me. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, all of the places. Always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show all those same places at Vox Popcast, where, as Hannah said, we can find out about what we're talking about next week. Uh, next week, I think is me- uh, is memory triggers, or maybe actually, no, it might I don't be, think it uh, is. Oh, I don't know. Oh, next week is thought experiments. That should be fun. Yeah, go to our blog <laughs> if you and leave us a leave us comments about our next two shows. We've got thought experiments um, in pop culture coming up, and then after that, we've got memory triggers. Should be should be good stuff, and we've got some other interesting stuff coming up. So leave us your thoughts, leave us your comments, leave us five star reviews on iTunes, especially because that helps other people find the show by goosing the algorithm, making us more famous, so that you know we become notable and and soon people. People will demand that Katya come to the garden I and play a sold out show. <laughs> it, it's what everybody wants. Come on, tell, uh, leave us comments, leave us a five star review telling us how much you want to hear Katya's comedy routine. Because seriously, it's the only thing I, that this show is all about now. I, I like, it's what I really, really want more than anything. Um, also, subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can follow this show. You can follow. My other podcast, Gosh Golly Wow, where we read comic books or specifically the comic book Excalibur. That's been really fun. You can see some of the stuff we're talking about. And I would like to thank Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for our epic theme song, building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd like to thank both of our guests for joining us. I'd like to thank you at home for listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.